Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. I'm so excited. I've got Katie Yam, who is with TEDx Montreal. And Katie, are you the organizer, co-organizer, or how do you introduce yourself? I'm I'm the license holder and the head curator, I would say. Head curator. Okay. Multi-hats are worn. I think I do partnerships too, and wherever any elbow grease needs to be added, I'll I'll be around. <laughs> and how how long have you been um, running TEDx Montreal? Um, I've been involved since 2013, and right. I've organized two of them since then. So 2015 and 2016 um, were the ones what I was leading, and the other ones I just I was you know started as a day of volunteer or a volunteer for the event, and that's how I got involved. You were day of. What'd you do on the day of the first year? Actually, the day of, I actually, I started maybe day of in April and our event was in September and I pretty much started or got involved really quickly and like ended up organizing all the volunteers for the day. <laughs> so, so I very quickly fell into a pretty big role, I love <laughs> which then that. got me into my other role. So, and so what's your day job? Uh, day job. Let's see. Um, I work actually for the government of Quebec. I, uh, work in their, um, their casino. Uh, we actually run in, uh, run, run four casinos. So I run the product management team there. Also a, um, new product development and also the business intelligence. So everything Ooh. to do with you know, the four P's of marketing, uh, right, manage right. Six and, spots, and then also everything to do with contracts, negotiations, uh, with vendors all the way to my business intelligence team, which is SAS. We use so right. like big data. Um, so that's that. what I do. That's <laughs> my my day job is the marriage of AI and BI. So I'm very interested in all oh, of that. Oh, cool. I'm getting into the AI stuff right oh, now. Oh <laughs> my gosh, it's so, so cool. So you, um, how, how did you, how did you uh, get introduced to TEDx? Um, actually, strangely enough, I, I got into Ted probably in 2007. Um, it's a strange story actually. Um, I, when I was 26, I got diagnosed with a tumor oh. and, uh, yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> um, and, uh, I actually underwent, um, I highly do not recommend, um, but I underwent uh, 49 sessions of chemo. Um, over 14 months from uh, 20 to February 6, 2006 till April 2007. Wow. And um, I don't know, for those who have done chemo, uh, your brain doesn't really function that right. well. <laughs> right. Um, you can only get like tidbits of information. And um, I really felt like I was getting dumb. And um, at one point, uh, and your capacity to read and concentrate is really diminished. And um, that's the year Ted started coming out with TED Talks online. Right. That's right. The first six <laughs> and, uh, were the first six were posted that year. 
Yeah, so I, you know, I watched the, I think it was Al Gore's, and then yep. there was the yep. Robinson, and yep. then uh, I think it was David Pogue. <laughs> there was just like a whole bunch, and um, I kind of fell into that. Um, it supplemented kind of, you know, me not feeling like I was disconnected right. with the world. Um, and they're 18 minutes and less, so I will, Ken's is like 19 minutes, but, um, you know, they were just snippets enough for me to kind of um, catch on at my own pace. If I want to pause, I could. Mm-hmm. And so um, over that period of time, I just got into that and um, kind of followed them along. And this is when I, I went back to work um, after I was off for a while. And then um, I decided at one point I ch- um, <laughs> that I wanted to give back. So I changed jobs huh. because my other was insane. Right. And then I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Um, so I changed jobs. And then at one point I started to say, Okay, now this job, like this new job, is under control. And what can I do to give back? And what has given me a lot? And Ted had given me a lot just when I was down and out, and it was just this nice little pocket of escape. And um, at that point, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go quit my job and I'm gonna go move to New York and work for Ted. And then I went. You know what? <laughs> I was like, okay, let me just hold on a second. Let's just see what Ted is like. So, um, you know, I Googled and I found TEDx Montreal and yep. I, uh, you know, hit their volunteer in, you know, send yeah, my sure. a whole application, like full CV, uh, cover letter, customized. I did the whole shebang. Wow. And um, I didn't know it was volunteer at the time. I didn't know, actually. I, sure. I did apply to be a volunteer, but, you know, aspirations of. Um, and so I submitted it and I heard nothing. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh I remember I was talking to uh, to some people at the time, going, "Wow, that's like there's nothing." <laughs> so, just the week that I gave up about hearing anything from them, and I made peace with the fact that it was not happening. Right. Um, the weekend after, uh, actually, Carlos uh, called me, uh, who ha- was running TEDx at the time, and uh, yeah, so we met. We met for coffee. Bing bang, it went really well. I met him uh, and Catherine. Um, went into logistics and that's the start. And then, uh, you know, after that first year um, where I was thinking of being a day of volunteer, I ended up doing a lot more. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And the year after I uh, got offered the license and um, it doesn't happen where your second year right. you get right. a tab at TEDx license. I hesitated for a long time, to be very honest. Um, and, uh, really thought about it because it's really another job. <laughs> yeah, it and, is. And I said, okay, well, do I want to take on another job? Like it was, you know, all well and good to be on the side, but it kind of consumed 20 hours at least a week for a while. Yep. And, um, my conditions, um, you know, Catherine and I talked to, that's my co-organizer. We talked about some things and we complimented each other quite well on what we wanted. And so we took the license together and we've been together ever since. So that was 2015 and 2016, right? So we took a hiatus actually. So we took a, we did a 2013 and because of the transition and all of our responsibilities, we took a hiatus in 2014 to Got kind it. of regroup. Yeah, and then uh, we knew that we regrouped for the long haul. So uh, I signed on for at least three years just because right. I wanted to. Build, right. I wanted to build the momentum, and I think changing quickly, you know, one after another, kind of I, what I see for university licenses is you know this kind of constant turnover. It's yeah. very hard. Yeah, to build that momentum yeah. and that continuity. 
So uh, Catherine and I, when we decided, I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to do this for three years. So uh, minimum, just to make sure that we set everything up. So um, that's, so I'm in my third year now. <laughs> so. Now his, um, I know there's TEDx Montreal women. Do you yes. um, collaborate with them? Yes. So actually, uh, yeah, Grace is a wonderful TEDx Montreal women. Uh, Grace runs that. And um, actually, the TEDx Montreal letters are actually Grace's letters. She generously lends them nice. to us. <laughs> nice. Awesome. So, uh, now, do you do, is there a uh, Montreal youth and Montreal salons? Uh, there was a youth. Uh, we were kind of a pilot city where they were actually handing out or dividing those licenses out. Yes. Um, I think that the pilot has now been <laughs> rescinded. And uh, Grace, obviously, and I, um, we, we collaborate um, and uh, she she gets to keep her license. But um, a woman was running youth and it's been, she's no longer running it. So they're no longer offering that license separate than the master license. So Right. Yeah, that's that's how it is here in Santa Barbara, the same thing. How, do you, are you one to go visit other TEDx's? And if so, how many have you seen? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm passionate about TEDx speaking. I know you I are. Know. I know you are. It's all the time. Um, but yeah, no, I bring like the biggest delegation possible. So I literally, as we start talking curation, I'm talking about TEDx Beacon Street and I'm talking about um, even TEDx Toronto, actually. And um, I want my team to see other TEDx's because just because I do things one way or people on my team do one with things doesn't mean that that's the way to do things. And, um, you know, John runs an incredible show uh, down in Boston. Yeah. yeah he and does. yeah, we're 13, 14, 15, wow. 16, 17. Uh, we, all, we, we make it a big outing. And we actually, our event, I actually time it so that it's a week before theirs. And whoever's, <laughs> I try to convince everyone from Europe to be like, hey, <laughs> if you're going to be more, it's TEDx Montreal. So we're just uh, hopping a skip five hours. Oh, I and love actually, that. Uh, Lionel, is, as uh, I've hooked him twice from uh, TEDx Clermont. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to get Arthur to come to, <laughs> yeah, just to everyone. I'm trying to, you know, hook everyone in to come to our event and uh, check us out before going to Beacon Street. I, uh, we had Denis from TEDx Quebec on uh yeah. recently um that was a wonderful conversation what if you had uh unlimited budget where what tedx would you like to visit in the world anywhere in the world i would like i would like to see um some of the stuff that the hag's doing just like the origin of salons i think that um that whole idea that they've done like 75 how do you TEDx's. spell that uh good question Dahag. <laughs> uh, the hog, yeah, in in near Amsterdam. In, oh, in got it. Okay, I got it. I know. And got it. Uh, I know. they're like the, the eighty salons. Oh, I think seventy five or eighty. Oh so they were. God. They actually don't have a salon license. They have a TEDx license, and I'm pretty sure, from what I understood, that the salon idea is has emanated from how they do it, um, and how they. You know, integrate the community is really fascinating. They actually have them curate the event for them. So the community is so involved. And, um, you know, I spoke, I spoken to Paul, I think it's uh, Paul about that. And, um, I met them at uh, Ted active maybe in 2015. So that's one that's not the, the norm, I would say. Um, definitely, you know, I think the big ones, uh, Amsterdam slash uh, Sydney are, I think are on everyone's list. I think Remo's doing an incredible yeah, job over there. He's insane. Right mm -hmm. now. So you yeah. went to how many Ted actives have you been to? 
Well, I went to the my first was the last one. <laughs> so, <laughs> Up in Whistler, right? Uh, so I went to my first TED event would be TED Active in 2015. Right. And then my second one was TED Summit uh, last June, and I'm looking forward to TED Fest this I, year. But it's sad, I, I think, uh, since the dissolution of TED Active. Um, you know, TED Fest is really only for organizers. So I've seen a splintering of my TED family, most of which are going to Big TED, and then the still ones that are still organizing are going to TED Fest. Yeah, I'm. Uh, this is the first time we've not gone to the main event and not, or not done a, a simulcast, and we're going to Fest. Um, I'm, this with our new show, I you know I want to meet organizers. I'm just so deeply involved in the ecosystem now that it was like the timing was so perfect. What what is it that makes Montre- the TEDx Montreal unique? What what do you do to set yourself apart? Um, for sure, two things and kind of over <laughs> overlap. But I'm not the only event that's bilingual in the world. I, you know, there's many of them that are. Um, but the French and English mix is definitely really really ingrained into our psyche. Um, mm-hmm. The vision for us is. When I took over, and I think Catherine and I were talking about this, it was very much about we are fiercely proud of our city. So we actually mm. do not any speakers. There is no, there's so much going on in our city. So we have this vision of, you know, homegrown ideas that we're fiercely proud of and that we want to push out on the world stage. Yep. So the unique aspect is Quebec has this weird culture. Um, we really love underdogs. So we really love oh. to cheer the underdogs. And um, we hate them when they succeed. It's really perverse. (laughs) That's um, hilarious. So a good example would be like, you know, Cirque Soleil or Sidley or or, uh, Céline Dion. They are all these exports. And yet, um, you know, they're revered around the world. But yet they're like extremely detested inside our own culture. It's really strange. It's like... When you're small and suffering, they're like, oh, we love you, poor thing. And then you get like hugely successful and they're like, oh, these guys are sellouts and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we <sighs> we, we really want to ha- create more hate. <laughs> we want to create <laughs> more successes that will be hated internally. And there's so much, there's so much happening in our city oh, I um, that we should celebrate. And actually, I think that's one of the, the things that I love the most about my city. Uh, working with TEDx has just exposed me to so many different aspects. I had no idea how. Um, so this ties into the biggest surprise, I think, is is the depth of all the things that are going on in my city. So exposing that, you know, for example, you, you know, you talk about unique. We have one of the best research centers in health sciences in the world. We've got AI, which is starting to be a huge hub here uh, for universities. It's in, it just teeming with tons of art culture music uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know people winning tons of oscars and also grammys etc cetera, etc cetera. and who knew right <laughs> who knew half the time i'm talking to people like in our own city i'm like did you know that last year right. on and his team are the top two um like cited for hiv they actually like figured out a way to open the hiv cell right. to have immune system attack it and it's actually cited in in the conference, like the world, the Nobel laureate who discovered all this was actually citing Andres Finzi's work as one of the two most biggest innovations in 2015. Oh or and that's happening in my city. And you and had a, our, and you had him on the stage. 
Yeah. And yeah, he does a nine minute talk about HIV. Wow. (laughs) And uh, last year we had a speaker actually, he's doing, he's working with C. elegans, these worms. Um, Normally, you know, testing from worm to human would take, you know, 10, 12 years for any drugs. Right. Um, right. They've accelerated that to two years. And now they're doing a a huge national trial for ALS. That's happening in my city. And it's amazing. (laughs) And uh, that's, I'm just talking about two things. And I think that's what makes Montreal so unique. Like there's, there's the art. Um, we have jazz festival. We've got the just for laughs. We've got, you know, have a fireworks festival. I love it. Oh my gosh. I blew into town. Uh, I was about, I don't know, five is sunset. And all of a sudden the sky lights up and I'm like, what is this? And I go, Oh, it's the international. What do you mean? He says, no, like Germany's competing and Ireland's competing. It's like, there's such a thing as that. Oh my gosh. And Uh, it's, it's on an island and it's yeah. free one and they have music and they actually close one of our bridges because I don't know most people don't know Montreal's an island. Right. right. <laughs> okay, you heard I, it you heard it here, folks. <laughs> this yeah, is also Montreal's a geography. Like, you know, this show is a geography lesson. We've got yeah. people from all over the world. Yeah, so Montreal's an island and one of the bridges we actually close and we broadcast music on the bridge. Oh Would my. you so it closes to pedestrians right. and you can watch this incredible firework competition, which is 30 minutes straight I know, of fireworks. I know, I know, I um, know. Oh, and it tells gosh. A story. Yeah, so anyway, sidebar, I love, that's like my one of my favorite things. Well, but there's so many things. <laughs> you're, you have a t-shirt that I've just made for you that just says, hashtag I love my city. Um, you're, you're so passionate. It just, you know, listener, listen to that. That's what passion sounds like. Um <laughs> Actually, so, on my Facebook page, if anyone looks, you should see all the videos I post about how incredible my city is. And I think Douglas from uh, from uh, Doug from TEDx Jackinsville finally wrote to me. He was like, okay, well, I think I'm going to finally make it up there. I'm like, yeah, you should. <laughs> I'm going to put a link to, to your Facebook page uh, uh, in the show notes so people can see that. One of the things our listener knows is that I'm I'm intensely fascinated with story and storytelling and how it's insinuated itself into everything that we do these days. And Ted X is a perfect place for that in great stories. There's always drama and challenges. And I, I think about fighting those, but to fight some of those, you have to have a superpower. So of the superpowers, I think about organizing, collaborating, producing, marketing, curating, partnering. I know you have to know about all of those, but there's one of them that you've got a special talent. Which one would that be? I would say uh, I it's split down the middle for me, like curation and partnerships are the two that oh. make my heart beat. And um, tell me I why. Um, so curation is just, it's the heart of what we do. You know, it's ideas. It's, I, and I think that democratization of ideas and finding and unearthing ideas, um, there's nothing in there that I love more. So, you know, working with um, my team of curators is, it's unbelievable. Um, we have a diverse team. So I, I work in marketing and, you know, there's nothing worse than a bunch of marketers or ad agency people and be like, you know, it'd be really great if we like spoke to an engineer or like, Hey, let's like, go, you know, I think AI is really in. Let's go talk about, no, no, no. So what we, do, what we do is especially we hire based on 
uh, the diversity of the backgrounds of the people that are in the creation team. So, you know, all have, you know, I have a, a, you know, a mechanical engineer specializing in HVAC. We have, you know, a professor of political science. We have uh, a researcher specializing in dance and she's a dance performer. Actually, she's on the talk that we got onto TED.com. We got, um, we have, um, you know, people from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. We've got, you know, people specializing in renewable energies. We've got, um, like, thinking through the, oh, like data scientists. We've got people working in gaming and uh, video gaming and other, you know, UX stuff. And uh, even a researcher from the University of Montreal, like C.R. Shim, uh, the, actually one of our old speakers. And it's about bringing in the diverse teams and what yes. sparks their interest. Yes. Um, because I can't possibly know what's really going on. Um, they do, though. So we sit together. And I think that's what makes curation like, the heartbeat of it all is that we all come to the table. And, um, you know, it, it's about what's happening for real and what's piquing our interest in there. And what I love about our creation team is we hire as a team. So we all interview uh, the new people. We see how they all fit in. We, we all, I have a vote just like they have a vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, even when we talk about ideas, they, uh, I don't veto anything, even though, you know, I kind of run, I run the event. Uh, I think if I actually I've cried because like some of my ideas have not gone through and I'm like, why, why is this right, not going through? Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, right. but if they're so diverse and I am also, and it's not interesting for everyone on my team, it must not be interesting for everyone. That's fair. And we want the best ideas to surface. And so I might think haptic floors are really awesome because I really do think they're awesome. Uh, but you know, that idea got killed, you know, and uh, I think editing, ideas is just as important as, you know, preparing the right ideas. So do you have some advice then? I mean, I'm, I'm feeling like, um, the person who's listening right now might think, I mean, I don't have a diverse curation committee. I I will now after you've convinced me. So would you say that the, the advice would, I mean, what you just said, put in other words, would be excellent advice for any TEDx. So I would say get a diverse team. And the other thing we do is we do selection committees. So we invite people. I invite all the other directors because they're in this as well. Um, and I also invite people from different areas. So, you know, I'll have someone from the startup community. I'll have someone from, um, you know, a different, you know, board of VCs, or we'll have different people from the health sciences or um, different university backgrounds or artificial intelligence. We'll have people sitting around the table. And what we do is we create a, uh, what we call an abstract. So an idea must go into 250 words description with two links. And it wipes away the the star power of the speaker because sometimes we have really big uh, name speakers. And all that gets sent out to the selection committee uh, a week and a half before. Everyone has to read everything. And then when they get to the selection committee, everyone has one vote. And what we do is the curator who's responsible will present the idea in five minutes. We debate it for 10 minutes. And then there's a closed vote. And only the ideas that get voted 85% and more move forward. So there's not a selection of, you know what, we have 36 ideas and we need 12 speakers, so we'll find the best 12. No, no. There's 20, let's say the first, we have two or three selection committees throughout the year. Um, There's one selection committee, and then what happens is they will only the best go through. 
So sometimes we come out of 24 ideas. There's seven ideas that have been voted nine, like 90%. Right. And so we have to rebalance. So then we look at the verticals and say, okay, what are the seven ideas that get voted for? So let's say there's kind of two in education. So we kill that vertical. Anything that's in motion with, with education is done. And we take a look at what's missing. So we knew at one point, like one of the years, we were missing something in law. We were missing something in design. We're listening like slash architecture. So then we we focus the other the rest of our energies hunting down ideas in the verticals that are missing. And that's how we make sure that the program is very diverse. How much of how what percentage of submissions are ones that you've hunted down through this network you've just fabulously explained? And how much come from uh, submissions on your site? So we have submissions on our site, um, but most of them aren't of the quality that we would like uh, at this point. I would say we we review all of the submissions, but most of them we're reading up on what's happening in each of our industries. So each of our verticals, we're very, very much in touch and networking through them to see who's working on the breaking, breaking, breaking you know, uh, the breakthroughs. Um, submissions generally are some things that we've already seen, have already read about, are already in motion. And our creation team is really looking for things that are not, haven't yet gotten the visibility that it deserves. So if something's already been speaking, spoken about all over the news, et cetera, well, that's reason enough that it has its own momentum and doesn't need us to back it behind it. So um, we generally... Um pick very few from the submission. I am being very selfish right now because we're going to be doing, um, you know, we're, we're ramping up TEDx Santa Barbara right now. And this is very, very much on my mind uh, because I get 10 letters a day from people wanting to submit. And, um, you know, to your point of they're not, and you said that very politically correct. If that you said submissions are to the quality we would like, and and I have to echo that. And it's, um, I get that. I'd like. I want to move on to now that I know your superpower is in curation and in partnering. What's the biggest challenge for you? Um, I like to call it the dragon. But what's the what's the biggest one? You're you know you just still you're still battling. We are not very well known in the French community. And I think I've been connecting with a lot of French speaking TEDxers there. And I think this applies to any multilingual. I think the Spanish, I mean, the Spanish mafia has been doing an incredible job. I think they're really killing it. And uh, it'd be great if we could move in that direction in the French aspect. In my city, there is incredible amount of things going on. So Creative Mornings is here. Uh, they're doing really well. We have a conference called C2 Montreal. We've got a lot of amazing brain stuff going on. So TED isn't known. And I have a challenge. And it's still a challenge. And it's one of the things that we're working on is how do we increase the awareness that French, you know, French speakers can gain a lot from TED mm-hmm. and that they can actually watch this and it's free and it's online most of the times and actually really big partners and i won't name i won't name who they are but you know i've gone met them and and you know and 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 uh they're like oh ted like that vulgar bear (laughs) you know and i'm like oh it's not the mark Wahlberg movie oh no (laughs) so that's generally i would say my dragon (laughs) it's like building awareness 
That's a big dragon. Um, what what advice do you have? The people that are listening to the show, there's veterans who want to, you know, they're looking for one tip. Um, and then there's, you know, first timers who are just buried in their, <laughs> they're hoping to get a lifeline. What advice would you give? You just had one to give. What would you give? Uh, for the first timers, I would say, you know, TEDx, running a TEDx is like a startup to think it's a volunteer organization. And so it's not the same as a business or a worked or a job is I think the biggest error. So, you know, the whole concept of, you know, our, it's to, you know, hire slowly, fire quickly. It's about cultural fit. So our job is to protect the team culture and to realize, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, it's volunteer. It doesn't matter. No, actually it does matter. We pay people with passion instead of a salary. And as soon as you have the wrong player in there, it dilutes the payment system, which is culture and passion. So our guardy, our job is even more important because we don't have salary to retain someone. Um, so if they have a shit day, you know, they're they're less likely going to stay unless they believe that what they're right. contributing is really important. So first timers, I would say do not, you know, do not get lulled into, hey, you know, my friend would love, love to be a volunteer. Most people say our volunteer process, especially the hiring for curation, is harder than getting a real job. Uh, we put them through hurdles and hurdles and hurdles. And if you guys uh, look at our volunteer form online, it's full. It's fully vetted. I'm, and it requires a CV. It requires a cover letter. It requires you answering about 10 different questions. I make it purposely hard because if they're not willing to fill in a form, they're not going to want to do work. And um, a lot well, of people want to be associated. That, that is such good advice. Everybody, listen to that. And I'm going to put a link to your volunteer form because that's I, you know, and all of us who are listening right now are shaking our head, going, "Yep, she's right. Yep, she's right." So I think we have something to learn. Now, what about for veterans, though? The veterans, I would say, and I'm, I'm I don't know where I fit. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a veteran or not veteran yet. But I would say we've seen, I've seen, I don't even know how many TED, and I've been to, I don't know how many TEDx events, and I've spoken to, I don't know how many TEDxers, and it's so easy to get jaded. Right. And it's so right. easy to just say like, oh, yeah, I've been there, done that, saw that. Yeah, I saw that they did that. Oh, you know, and, but, uh, you know, that whole, and this applies to any place, not just to TEDx, but the whole been there, done that, tried that. Um, sometimes it's all about timing and the right uh, context and the right characters that come into play and um like i have something in mind for next year that's going to be really messed up cool and it's inspired from something else that's really old school and i think for veterans it's how we how do we shake things up and keep it new and i don't consider myself a veteran yet because i know some of them you know some of the people i speak to have done you know like <laughs> a lot right, of events right a lot of years. right right uh, like jacksonville right He's insane. And how, how do you stay passionate? You know, right. it's all about how do you, and if you know what, if you're not lit up and you're not, you know, gunning for it, then it's maybe time to pass the baton. And I think for veterans sometimes, you know, I've, I've contemplating it sometimes, like maybe it's, you know, one day I will cross over and just be a Tedster. Right. Um, right. You know, right now I'm still a TEDxer and I'm fiercely proud for the days that I are counted for a TEDxer. Um, and I'm proud to wear that label. And one day I will transition into the Tedster and I'll probably be a Tedster for the rest of my life. Um, but for the time being, like, if you're going, you know, how do we not get jaded? How do we not fall into the trap I of, you know, been there? Then? For your next event, because I know, um, I, I, you know, we've talked and I, I've looked at your site and I'm just 
you are kind of breaking new ground all of the time. And you, you, and you also talked about that, your curation. So I've got to uh, imagine the user experience has this similar kind of uh, attention to detail. What are you most looking forward to for your next event? I, uh, I'm really excited for next event. <laughs> um, actually I spoke to Will about our, like the idea and, uh, he's thrilled about it as well. So I'm, I, uh, I want to break the mold. I, uh, I really think that we've done incredible things in the last three years. Um, and, you know, just kind of kicking it up a notch, kicking up a notch and kicking right. like kind of, whoa, whoa, like, holy crap. And I think <laughs> like, and I had a holy crap year last year and, you know, Will was at our event and he was like flabbergasted, couldn't stop talking about all this cool stuff that we were doing. Uh, I mean, we took over a warehouse, we built a, a sock warehouse and we built a stage from scratch. You know, we turned a loading dock into a 700 person sitting area. Like uh, we used socks, actually pallets of socks as insulation for sound for the stage. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And um, we can't just always up, up, up. And I don't want to spoil it, so I won't do a spoiler, um, but we're going to deconstruct everything that we know to be true and do something completely, completely unexpected for next year. So um, I know the team's pretty jazzed about that. Actually, I'm super jazzed about it, too. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's good enough. Deconstruct everything we know to be true. Um, I, I got to talk to Sarb Johal of uh, TEDx Wellington. I'm going to get to meet DK at uh, TED Fest. And he uh, he and I have been back and forth. But they did – their uh, theme was trust. Yes. And when you showed up, you didn't know where the venue was or who the speakers were. And they yeah. picked everybody up in buses that were all blacked out. And you didn't even yeah. know until you got in the theater where you were. And as it turned out, you were in Peter Jackson's home theater and go Actually, listen to that episode. <laughs> because DK was telling me they even built a tunnel from the bus yes. street. Into yes. The thing. Yeah. Insane. They didn't know where they were. Yeah. It's nuts. What, um, so I want to, you know, I want to respect our time. We're coming to the end of our show here, but the, you know, it's called hacking the red circle. And I, you know, it's people, I've had to kind of explain that, but it's how do we as organizers at, and, and all the things that we need to do, how do we marshal our resources and creativity and all the people around us to produce a world-class event when we've got, you know, we've got to fight for every penny. Every penny's got to act like it's a dime, you know, or a dollar. Um, how, what one hack would you suggest to organizers? Oh, that's fine. Actually, my answer is very much in line with what you just said, which is great. Um, I've really, so through partners, uh, I customize all partnerships for what we need. And I know it's really cheesy to say win-win, but that's really what we do. Um, so for example, I, the hack I wrote down here is I, I've partnered with a consulting firm to do our thank you party. So I really wanted to to thank our entire team. And I don't do the thank you party or the the speaker dinner the night before or the week before because it's really too stressful. We do it two months after our event. So we take the stress off of that and then it's this you know talks are out and everyone's conjoling. And instead of paying for a really expensive speaker party <laughs> or right, a, a, you right. know a thank you party, um, I turn it into an event with this consulting firm who wants to be known for innovation. And we they get to invite the 50 of their best top clients. And we have all our speakers and our staff, which are incredible. And I also invite a lot of the people in our community who are, you know, tied to innovation. 
And uh, so it's a pretty good hob- hobnob event. It's a, a, called an innovation cocktail. And, you know, it's I don't pay for anything, but I curate all the spaces and we get to mix their clients in with our our speakers and they get to see people from the arts or culture or wow. science, health sciences that a consulting firm clientele doesn't necessarily interact right. with. All right. The time. Right. And so it's been this amazing, it's the second year in a row that we've been doing it with this uh, consulting firm specifically in our city and they love it. And we love it too, because we get to see everyone. Um, and I take care of it with um, that partner so that none of my team has to work. None of my oh, team has wow. to work. Oh, wow. How nice is that? Um, I've worked on it. <laughs> well, but, um, yeah. But I want them to enjoy because during the day, most of our team don't see any talks. Right. I, yeah, that's such a shame, enjoy. right? Yeah. So how do we do a thank you event where right. they don't have to lift a finger and then there are people serving them wine and cocktails and all oh, this stuff. Oh, I love that. And that's what we do. So that's the hack I would say is like everything I would do partners with is how do you trade off instead of asking for money, don't ask for money, ask for something that you need that can also give them visibility and respond to a, a need that they have. And um, that would be the best hack that I can offer. Every company I work with has a need, be it from even employee motivation. One of our companies, which is an ad agency, want to do employee motivation. So I set aside four day of volunteer spots for that company. And they did an internal, you know, like rally around TEDx inside the company and that they were part of it and they're a partner. And who are the four lucky people from this company that we're going to send as day volunteers? And I need volunteers for the day. Sure, of course you do. (laughs) It's like win. So those are two examples of things that I hack with our uh, partners. Um, I don't have a, I used to do a partnership deck. I don't do that anymore. Um, I speak, I listen, I listen to our partners. I listen to what they need. And then I work with them to deliver. Katie, I love that. This has been a great conversation. We went a little long, but I know our listener just was hanging on every word as I was. There was one name you mentioned that I don't know that our listener knows. You mentioned Will. Tell the listener who Will is. Oh, Will Davis. <laughs> Will is, uh, I call him, uh, he, he, oh my gosh, if he hears this, he'll probably hate me. I call him the gatekeeper, the TEDx gatekeeper. <laughs> so he's the, he uh, he works at, at TEDx, uh, or at TED, and uh, he helps most of us, um, you know, with our license. So all the licensing is, is with Will. And uh, he's been amazing to us, very generous with his time and coaching uh, a lot of us on, you know, how to make sure that TEDx abides by, how do we abide by the rules and how do we contribute and give back to our own communities, right? So that's uh, that's who Will is. Um, uh, I think I'm going to give a, sh- a shout out to Will because um, this show is, um, there, there's a, he's he planted a seed when I went to New York uh, before the holidays. Um, I, I really wanted to do a podcast around TEDx and I had some various ideas and he said something, he said, did you see the case study that um, Venice just posted a couple of days earlier? And I said, yeah, that was fantastic. And he goes, he says, I learned from what you guys do. And that, what I heard was, why don't I make a, a verbal version of the case study that we could all listen to so we could all learn from one another? And that 
was, you know, I wasn't really sure what the format was going to be. And it was that conversation with him. I said, yep, that's what I'm going to do. So Will, I hope you're listening and uh, thanks for all that you do. Um, I know you've got a hugely hard job. Katie, thank you so much. Thanks to all the people that uh, are there at TEDx Montreal. I hope that uh, your um, attendees will get to listen to this and they'll get a little behind the scenes uh, peek and uh, get to learn more about you. Well, thank you so much, Mark. It was a pleasure. I think this is wonderful. And I think it's so great that you're putting so much time for the resources. Uh, I think the audio idea is, is good because sometimes the TEDx Hub, though it's amazing, there's nothing like listening to a podcast that just kind of, you know, hammers things home when you're, you know, commuting. <laughs> and uh, I would also like to thank Will um, and the whole TED family. They've been incredible. Actually, the whole TEDx family. Um, it's been an incredible journey, an incredible ride, and uh, I thank you for doing this. Um, and I know a lot of TEDxers will, uh, the ones, as you said, that haven't yet even realized that there are going to be TEDxers right, one day will appreciate right. this too. <laughs> I know, I yeah. know. Thank you so much, Katie. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.